Praise the, praise the Lord. Amen. We're glad to be in the house of God this morning. Thank you so much for being here with us this morning. We've got some folks having to, we're having to move some things around on Sunday school classes, but all is good. Amen. And so we want to uh, we want to get started this morning in our Sunday school class today. Uh, we do not our for those that are in house our Sunday school books. We um, this is a good thing. We've run out of Sunday school books on the table, so uh, we uh, we we're the next quarter will start here in the next couple of weeks. So we'll have some Sunday school material then, and then we'll go from there. And so we, uh, we're looking forward to getting that rolling forward. If you want to follow along with our Sunday School Outline, you can visit the website listed on the screen, cvcog.church forward slash sermon. The outline study material for the uh, this week is currently on there, and then on Monday it changes to the next week. So that's a good avenue to look at for that. You can text the keyword sermon to 205-642-8744 or visit that website, and then you'll be able to follow along with the at least the Sunday school uh, literature for that. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask God to touch and minister. We do have several, several prayer requests that's been turned in this morning already, some through the day of yesterday, so we won't be much in prayer for each one of them. If you've got a prayer request and you're in-house, let me know by lifting your hand. God knows every need. If you're on our live stream, be sure to text the keyword prayer to 205 642 8744 because we do want to partner together in prayer dear kind and gracious heavenly fathers we come to you today again thank you for the blessings that you've given us thank you for this opportunity that you've allowed us to come to worship and praise you father i thank you today for all the blessings that you've given us i thank you for what you've done and what you're going to continue to do in our lives today i pray father that you'll touch every one of our sunday school classes our our, our nursery, our kids' class, our teens, our young adults, our, our adult class here in the sanctuary. God, we pray for our praise team as they're next door getting ready for this. They're going to be getting ready here in just a few moments for our morning worship as they practice and go back over the songs for today. Father, I pray that you'll touch and minister to the hearts and lives of each one, those that are in-house and those that have joined us on live feed. You've heard the prayer requests. You've seen the text messages, the phone calls. Father, I pray that you'll minister and bring a healing touch where it's needed today. And God, I thank you for what you've done and what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. The title of our lesson today, I'm, I've, leave, I've left some outlines up for just a few moments because I want you to uh, lay this foundation down. The, sermon out, uh, the Sunday school lesson today is one that is a hot topic, I think. Uh, along, among a lot of people. Uh, some may get a little uh, uncomfortable in this topic, and that's okay. Here's, here's what we've got to understand. There's a lot of things that goes on in this world, and I would rather hear things from here in the house of God than from the street corner, from uh, anyone else. We've talked about things along the lines from our Sunday school classes and our, our kids' classes and things like that, even in our Sunday morning worship, that I think that our kids, for example, and I know this is the adult Sunday school class, but we've talked a lot of times and we've, we've mentioned stuff, and I would rather our kids hear things from the church house than even the schoolhouse. Schoolhouse, they can teach math, science, arithmetic, 
reading, things like that, and that's great and wonderful. There are some things that we need in the house of God that we need to teach. However, there are topics that are taboo and have been taboo for a lot of people in a lot of churches, and they just don't want to touch those. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not that guy. I'm not the guy that feels like that things that are taboo, we just leave them alone and we don't talk about them. That's not who I am. I feel like that we need. there's things that must be discussed. So to that end, the title of our Sunday School lesson this morning is Pornography is Destructive. God demands sexual purity. Now, I want you to understand something. This It starts off that way, and then we start digging into there are addictive things in this world. There are things that gets a hold of our, our heart, our eyes, our minds, and it grabs a hold of. I started to download a, a picture that showed an MRI of the brain. And then, uh, then there was a secondary picture that I looked up, and it shows, it showed the MRI of a brain of someone that is addicted to drugs, alcohol, and such. And then they did an MRI of a brain of someone that is addicted to pornography. And those two brain scans, when it's drugs, alcohol, things, any kind of an addictive thing like a substance, that, that MRI of the brain and the MRI of a brain of someone that is addicted to pornography, those are identical. And here's what we're talking about. Anything that can grab a hold of the mind and you cannot go another day without it, that is destructive. Anything that's going to be uh, captivating and you cannot continue on without it, that is a destructive thing in our, in our minds. We must acknowledge that pornography or any other item that is addictive, that it ha grabs a hold of you, those things are sinful, and we've got to commit to purity. This Sunday school lesson is discussing sexual purity. I had a lady call me, and this was very inappropriate, so I'm going go to go through this conversation for just parts of it until I will go over the parts of the conversation until... I had to hand the phone off to Sister Carrie. <laughs> uh, I've always stated, and, and some of you have been, been uh, members here uh, since I came, since prior to me coming, and I've always stated you can, come to, you can come to me as your pastor about anything. However, there are some topics I will pass off to my wife. Uh, so we, you've got to grab a hold of those. You've got to get that. I had a phone conversation one time of, an, of, a, of a lady, she was in her 50s, and she was asking me questions, and it came along these lines. And I said, whoa, wait a minute, let me pass the phone off to, uh, to Sister Carrie, my wife. And here's the thing that we've got to realize. That, that wasn't inappropriate because it was me, her, that was it. That's not, that's not good. What we've got to, and I've always been that way, I've always got a guard up. Okay, I've always got a guard of the fact that I make sure that everything stays on the up and up. We're having a conversation as an adult, as adults, discussing how 
there are things that are sinful and there are things where we've got to maintain purity in our lives. As Christians, we need to live a wholesome life and we need to reflect the purity of God. I do not want somebody look just because, let, let, let me, let's, let's throw this out because this has come up some in our morning worship times too, our sermon. Just because I'm dressed in a suit and tie does not mean I live a wholesome and pure life. Okay? Now, we all fall short of the glory of God. We got that. But people sort of tend to look at people and they look at the outside and they think, I know how they live, I know their life, I know the things about them. You don't know anything. You have an assumption based off of what you see. Just because you see somebody dressed as I am does not mean that that is a wholesome Christian. Amen? We, I was at Six Flags. This was years ago. I've decided now that I've gotten too old to go to Six Flags. But uh, the heat, the walk, the rides. Uh, -uh. But we was at Six Flags, Brother Larry, and this is probably I was probably I was probably in my early twenties, and we seen this lady, long hair, long sleeves, the the blue jean skirt, and and I I elbowed the person that was next to me, and I think it was happening to be my sister, and I said, I said, look, I said that right there, that that's a um, that's gonna be one of those holiness ladies. And we giggled because that's what they call us. Is they call the church of God. They call us the holiness folk. Well, we happened to be sitting down eating lunch. And I heard some conversation coming from this lady's mouth. And I elbowed my sister again. And I said, I take that back. What we've got to realize is your outside does not re always reflect how you live your life. Amen. I've always stated the inside is going to make a is going to make a reflection onto the outside, and that is that wholesome life, that purity of Christ. We've always got to realize that. We've got to realize that God demands purity in our lives. So let's look at Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23, it says this, Keep your heart with all vigilance. I hear people often and they'll say, oh, you've got to follow your heart. You've got to follow what your heart says. You've got to follow your heart. You've got to follow your heart. Let me, in, let, me, let, me, let me tell you very quickly. That's not a biblical description, or that's not a biblical uh, 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 direction for our lives. Oh, Brother Andy, I've got to follow my heart. I understand what we're saying, but what we're meaning is not the same thing. When we say, let me, when I might say I'm following my heart, then that means I have kept my heart with vigilance and I'm, I'm making sure that my heart is following after the desires that God has laid into my life, the will of God for my life. When I'm following after the will of God and my heart is desiring the will of God and that's where I'm pushing, that's where I'm going, then that's what we're looking at. The Bible does tell us that the heart is evil above all things because the heart is the seat of our emotions. Emotions do not always follow after what God wants us to do, okay? Uh, we have emotional state where we, we, uh, 
We don't always follow the will of God. We'll just say that and go from there. We do live in a we do live in a day and time where instant gratification is is on the top of people's mindsets. We go through the drive-through. I went through the drive-through yesterday. I I went out to my mom and dad's house. Uh, yesterday was my mom's birthday, and I hope she's watching. And I'll tell her happy birthday. And we wished her happy 75th birthday. She's not 75 years old. She's 66. We just, uh, we, we play and we have fun. But So we wished her 75th birthday yesterday. Any route, so I asked what mom and dad, because dad doesn't get out of the house as easily, and so we was going out there to have lunch. And so I called and I said, hey, we're going to go through the drive-thru. What do you guys want for lunch? And so dad wanted something from McDonald's and mom wanted something from Jack's. So what do you do? You go through both. So we go through the McDonald's drive-thru there in Lincoln, and we go through, and everything was great. We go through, we pull up at Jack's, and the the line is literally, I mean, we're, we're 15 cars in. And I'm thinking, wow, this ain't going to go fast. Why do people use drive-thrus? We want speed. We want instantaneous. The microwave was not invented until, I, I should have looked this up. The microwave was not invented until sometime here recently. Why? Because people used an open flame on a fire. They used the big cast iron fire pits that you put wood in. And then you used the ovens, the gas oven, the gas stove, those things, and you cooked. I remember going into my grandmother's house. She didn't even have a microwave. Probably about, probably about 15 years before she died is when she got the microwave. But we'd go in over at her house and... There's always food on the stove or in the oven. There's always something going on. I'm just going to be real with you. I really would love a salmon patty right about now that Granny Lambert cooks, okay? But th- but the thing is, is that was, she, she didn't throw that in the microwave. It was on the stove. It was on the oven. And th- those are in the oven. Those That's how it cooked. And guess what? It didn't come fast. It was, it took time to cook those things. Now, we pull something out of the freezer and we set it on the on the on the countertop for a while and let it thaw out a little bit and then you throw it in the microwave beep 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 four minutes later you're sitting down for a meal it don't taste as it don't taste the same as an oven meal right i don't know about you but it really doesn't taste the same to me does it taste the same but it's substance and you eat it and you go on about your life i realize that that many places of employment, they've got the microwaves in the break room. Why? Because you got they only get an hour for lunch, and so you got to go quick. So they pop that little thing in there, warm it up, go back. I remember many a times popping a, mic- a hamburger in there that Sister Carrie cooked from the house. Sister Carrie's hamburgers are a whole lot better than Jack's, McDonald's, any of them. I'm just telling you right now. But the fact of it is, is we live in a time where drive throughs microwaves, things like that, we want things instant. The restaurant server, when we go to a restaurant, if they let our sweet tea get down below or almost empty, we get a little frustrated. Why? Because we want things when we want things. This attitude has also infiltrated into the church world. Gone are the days of tarrying 
and travailing before the Lord to receive an answer to a prayer. Now times, and you've heard me say this, and this is because of the society we live in. We've heard, you've heard me say this. Well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tarry, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna drag this out. But God's wanting to do something in somebody's life. You know, you got look, get, get come to God, and then, but I may tarry a little longer than what uh, some want to. But the thing about it is, is we. Gone are those days where we got a hold of an altar and we get a hold of God. God needs us to get with His programming, not with our programming. We want the church service to fit, focus on our needs, our wants, our blessings. If it doesn't, then we're going to go find another church. All the time, we forget that we are the church. I hear people often, they'll come and they'll point to this building and they'll say, that's where I go to, that's my church, that's where I go to church, that's, that's, that's my church. Well, guess what? The, no, this building is not the church. This is a building. This, a tornado could come through and tear this down, but Coosa Valley Church is still going to be standing. Why? Because you and I are the church. We're the church. It's not the building. Many times people will think, well, if the church is not going to meet my needs, then I'm going to go somewhere else. The church coming into the house of God is not about meeting your needs. It's about worship to God. When we take a look at, our, at the title of our Sunday school lesson about pornography being destructive, pornography business caters to that desire of instant gratification. It bypasses the need for material and emotional connections, and it goes from other avenues. I'm going to be very cautious in the Sunday school lesson this morning. Keep things very G-rated. <laughs> the lesson's that way, but I just want you all to know that up front. Drawing from several statistics and sources, there are sobering facts that we must look at. The pornography business makes more than ABC, CBS, and NBC combined. ABC, CBS, and NBC are three of the largest news television networks, and they are, and pornography makes more than those three combined together in a year. Another sobering fact that will make your hair stand on your, on your ends is there's 1,000, uh, 120,000. 120,000, that's six digits, 120,000 searches for child pornography every day. Those addicted to the psychological and physiological changes in the brain, the frontal lobe of pornography is astounding. There is a 300% increase in those that watch pornography in marital infidelity. One-third of women surveyed admitted to watching porn. Those are just some. We didn't, they didn't even get into men. There, that one's more. There are, these are just a few of the devastating facts of the destruction of this industry that has that has infiltrated into even the church world. There was a study that I read one time, this is several years ago, 
of a church of a hundred, there are at minimum ten men in the sanctuary that would watch porn. What we must realize and understand is that is a problem that God wants to help us destroy. Lust is a sin. Lust is a sin. I want you to take a look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 through 30. Matthew chapter 5, 27 through 30. And then we're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. Matthew chapter 5, 27 through 30. And then 1 John 2, 15 and 16. Taking a look, reading Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 27, reading through verse 30, it says this. You have heard, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Let me pause right there for just a moment. Since we're wading out into the waters of this, we might as well just go on a little deeper and just really just tear all the things apart on this, right? told you I'm not one of those that gets embarrassed very easily and I'm not one that's going to shy away from things that's taboo or that others might say is taboo. Why? Because we need to know these things. Adultery. People believe that adultery is just the sexual act between a, male, a married male or, and or a married female. However, the Word of God teaches us that it's more than that. Take a look, verse five, uh, chapter, chapter 5, verse 28. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery in his heart. We find just in this very first verse, or the second verse that we read here in chapter 5, we find that Adultery is more than just a physical act. There are people, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share this one with you. This was shared in a pastoral convention that I went to. Nobody told me I wasn't supposed to share it, so I'll share it anyway, right? Uh, but they say that pastors have emotional affairs or emotional adultery. Emotional adultery happens a lot. And where pastors are concerned. I'm not saying that pastors do that. I'm saying that it happens. What this means is, I'm just going to pick on me because I, this is already a touchy subject, so I don't want nobody else getting, in, getting anything going here. But if, some, if a female comes to me and me alone about their marital problems or something else going on in their lives, and they grab a hold of an emotional attachment, with me as the pastor, they can have an emotional affair with the pastor. And I, I'm going to tell you something. That's one of those things I really watch for because I'm going to stop it. I'm going I'm you know, to cut that thing off. We ain't doing that. I, I cut things way before it gets to that point. We, I strive to not allow those things to happen. Does that make sense? Okay. It happens. But we, as a pastor, I'm going to do everything I can 
to make sure that it doesn't happen with me. Does that make sense, okay? I'm just using it as an example. Matthew chapter 5, 28. Everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So did she do anything? No. She didn't do it. I hear the topics often. So I'm going to be cautious about how I go down this road. But I hear this often. I'll hear it said, oh, well, it's her fault because it was the way she dressed. No, it was his fault because his eyes wandered and he shouldn't have done it. No, it's his wife's fault. And they'll go down that road. No, let me tell you something. Notice the last word in this verse. This is the ESV version. Has anybody else got another version that you're reading on your, on your phone or in your Bible? What, what versions have you got? Schofield, what's the last word in that verse? Or the equivalent to this where this is at? In his heart, says the same thing. Okay? What you've got to realize and understand, no matter which translation you're looking at, this is where it comes to, it comes down into in his heart. Why is that the fact? It's not her fault. I, I can't stand that. I've heard this, I've heard this said before. And, 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 and I'm, not, I'm not trying to open up any wounds in anybody's mind, so don't think this. Because I had somebody tell me I, I opened up a wound in their life when I mentioned this. I've heard this said before, and I really get disgusted when I hear this. When a, when a, female, a female has gotten raped, they'll say, well, it was her fault because of the way she dressed or the way she acted or what she did. That is the biggest lie from the pit of hell that can ever come out. Do y'all hear me? Now, so it's not her fault. What comes down to, it is in the heart. This goes back to what I said in the very beginning. I'm going to, look, I'm going to do this. Watch this. I'm going to go all the way back to that very first verse that we read. You ain't got to change it. I'm going to put it up on the screen. Go back to Proverbs 4 and 23. Keep your heart. We've got to keep our heart with all vigilance. For from it flows the springs of life. Now, this is not meaning this muscle that beats in our chest. This is referring to the seat of man's emotion. Some cultures, some cultures, they the seat of their emotion is their kidney. Okay, because this actually was read, I believe it was over, and you go back and read the Songs of Solomon, and he talks about uh, he talks about the kidney and all these other things, the locks of the hair. Okay, look, in our society, and where from where the Word of God is written, this is referring to the seat of our emotion as our heart. What does somebody say if they're, what does a parent say when their kids have done something wrong, and it and it breaks their what? Their heart. This is what it's referring to. It is the seat of our emotion. Okay? So now let's go back to that verse. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 28. 
Everyone who has looked at a woman with lustful intent, that comes from the mind, and the mind is following the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. So I believe that more important than anything else in this Sunday school lesson today is that we've got to understand what, what is the sin? Okay, when we say the sinner's prayer to, with kids, what do we say? I have, sit, I have knelt down and got on my knees in this altar with, with some of the little kids before, and, they'll, and, and I'll say, you want to invite Jesus into your heart. It ought, why? Because we want God, we want the Holy Spirit to guide and direct the seat of our emotion, our heart, because out of our heart, everything else lines up. If your heart tells you when you was dating, okay, you go all the way back to those times when you was dating. Now, I didn't really date a whole lot in high school. Believe it or not, I was the shy kid. Nobody ever believes that. But if, a, but, if a, but if a young lady caught my eye, my heart would throb every time I'd see my heart skip a beat. They'd come in the classroom, and, 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 and I remember this one, one little girl that, that uh, she came into the classroom. And first day of school, I had had a crush on her all of the year before. And the first day of her class of this year, uh, I sat down in a, in a seat, and she came in, and she sat down right in front of me. I thought my heart was going to jump out of my chest. And then she turned around. And she, you got a pencil I can borrow? I couldn't answer her. Why? My heart was running away from me. Now, let's fast forward many, many years. There was a day that I had worked all week long. Now, I had worked hard all week at the doctor's office where I worked at. And it was just a long week. I think I'd been putting in, for the last month, month and a half, I'd put in 70 and 80 hours. I was working seven days a week. I was just wore out. That week, it was a Saturday morning, I woke up, and I, wore, I had worked already 60 hours that week. I was tired. I lived at home with Mom and Dad, and I, I told them, I said, I don't, care who, I don't care who calls. I don't care who pages. Yeah, I had a pager. Remember in pagers, I had one of those. And you know, I can't say that with a bunch of the kids in here because they don't know what that is. But I had a pager and I had my cell phone. And I'd already said, I don't care if the doctor's office calls. I'm not going in today. It's a Saturday. It's the first day I'd had off in a week, month and a half. The phone rung. I walked out the back door so mom could say I wasn't in the house. What would my mom do? Oh, he's right here. I said, hello, and there was the sweetest voice on the other end of the phone. I hadn't heard that voice in 14 years. It was Sister Carrie, whose boyfriend girlfriend was five and six years old. Y'all asked her about taking me behind the church and kissing me on the cheek. 
Y'all just do that. When we was five and six years old, she always did that. But anyway, she stole my crayons too, by the way. I still ain't got them back. But I heard that voice. I, I, I want you to hear something about the heart. I heard her voice, and she was inviting a, me and my family over to the, her brother's house that lived right up the road. Didn't even know he lived up the road. She still lived in Tuscaloosa with her mom and dad. But her brother had lived up the road. They was inviting us over for a barbecue. I said, I'll be ready in 10 minutes to leave the house. My mother said, there ain't no way. I shaved, showered, dressed, and I was ready to go out the door in 10 minutes. I bet you a dollar I was. Why? Because my heart got in charge of it. And the rest is history, I guess you could say. 20, 20 and a half years later, we're still married. She still puts up with me, so that's a good thing, right? But what we've got to realize is things are geared from the heart. Now, I'm not suggesting anybody do this, but take a look at verse 29. Not suggesting you do this, but this shows the severity of what we've got to realize about our heart. Verse 29 says, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out. Now, I'm not suggesting anybody do that. Okay. It says, tear it out and throw it away. I believe the scripture would more be, in our time today, would be more of, look, make sure your body stays in line with the will of God for your life. It's better to you, for you to lose. This is talking the severity of things. It would be better for you to pluck your eye out and throw it away and lose your eye than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Throw it away. For it's better for you to lose one member of your body than for your whole body to go to hell. In an ancient world, adultery was defined as a sexual relationship between a married woman and another one's own wife. It was viewed incorrectly. Why? Because it was only forced about a woman and not about the man. Married men in the day and time that the Bible was written. Married men could have had a physical sexual relationship with a single woman, with a slave, a prostitute. And it was not considered adultery. But it would have been for the woman. Much of ancient Jewish literature placed the blame for lust and adultery on the woman and on strong drink, wine. Certainly, we understand, and I've already mentioned that just a moment ago, how so many times, even in our society today, they, everybody wants to blame it on the woman. Guess what? Dudes have a problem. Okay? Guys have a problem just like women do. Okay? And I'm going to just tell you as a guy, sometimes guys have a bigger problem than women do. I'm just, I'm just being real with you. What we've got to realize is it's not one person's fault. 
everybody involved shares part of the blame. Okay? I cannot stand it when they blame it on just one. I've had people, I've had guys tell me, I've had guys come to me and tell me, I'm not going to say who, I'm not going to say where it was, but I have guys come to me and they'll say, well, if she hadn't addressed like, shut your mouth. Quit blaming it on that. Certainly, women can be found guilty of enticement. Because let's be real, and I'm going I'm to be very cautious about how I say this. Let's just be real. Ladies do know how to entice a guy. Okay? They do. And I know this is on live feed, and I know what I'm fixing to say. Look, I'm just going to be real with you. Let's just lay all the cards on the table. It was not this church. We was at another church, and my wife seen a lady coming towards me. She was very much not dressed appropriately. And I believe that my wife walked on air. Because I'm going to be real with you. I was up, I was at one side of the sanctuary. She was on the other side. And within two seconds, she was right beside me. I don't know how she did it. It may have been one of those science fiction things, Star Trek. The Enterprise hovered over the church and transported her and then transported her. I don't know. It was warp speed. There you go. She definitely had some warp speed about herself, about her. But So we do realize, look, I do know that there are women that will, they know how to entice a guy. I got that. But do not blame everything on one or the other. It goes back to the intent of the heart. Amen? How many is uncomfortable with this conversation? Let's go on. I, ain't, I didn't even look. Lack of self-control leads to adultery. Adultery is any sexual activity, whether just in the mind or a physical or emotional, outside of marriage. This is clearly prohibited in the Scripture, found in the, New, in, the, in the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, Deuteronomy chapter 5, and then also when Jesus quotes in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27, there is an intentional formulation when Jesus says, you have heard, but I say to you, Jesus does not only condemn the physical act, but he takes it a step further to address the conduct and the condition of the heart. He declares to those who have an evil intent, the lust, who have already violated the marital covenant, and the expectations of God. Jesus is talking about all of the above. Amen? I'm going to take this a step further, and I'm going to talk about those that are in pastoral roles that get themselves into this position. 
this does happen. Why? Because pastors are human just like everybody else, right? I tell I tell people a lot of times, y'all ain't got to worry about it. My wife catches anything like that. I'm a dead man. I'm scared. I say that in jest, not really. I say that in jest because I'm going to tell you something. You've got to watch your own heart. I can't tell what the intent of anybody else's heart is. Only person I can look at is David Andrew Lambert. Amen? I don't know what's going on in somebody else's heart. I don't know the intent, but I know what's in my heart. Let's let's go on because I could we could hang out here for a while, but I, I want us to get on to into the lesson further. First John chapter two, first John chapter two and verse fifteen. First John chapter two and verse fifteen. It says, "Do not love the world or the things in this world. If anyone loves the world." The love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. Y'all have heard me, I'm so glad we get to this point. Y'all have heard me talk about, I know that there is physical sicknesses that is in this world. We know that COVID is a real thing. Just like strep throat, flu, anything else is real, okay? I believe there is physical sicknesses. But there is a sickness that in my mind is much, much worse than anything that this world would have in a physical sense. And that, that sickness is called spiritual laziness. Or I've, t- I've dubbed it as, as uh, la- spiritual lazy-itis. But spiritual laziness, immaturity, and carelessness in thought and deed are signs of a heart problem. People have a heart problem. I'll throw this out. If the Alabama-Auburn football game was on Sunday morning, at started at 10 o'clock, I wonder how many people would be in church or be in front of their TV for the game. I love watching the Alabama football game, Alabama-Auburn football game. I probably don't watch any of the other ones. I I might listen to the Alabama-Tennessee game that was not this past Saturday, but the Saturday before, Roll Tide. Amen, come on. I mean, that's, that's very important. I may watch, I do watch the Alabama LSU game. I make sure that I am going to watch that Alabama-Auburn game. Why? Because I want to watch that game. But I'm going to tell you something. I don't want anybody else to to, to react to this because I don't want anybody lying or, or anything else. But anyway, if the Alabama, Brother Larry, if the Alabama-Auburn football game was at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning, I wonder how many would be here. I'd be here, Brother Larry. You'd be here. All right, we got that. What we've got to realize and understand, what we've got to realize and understand, spiritual laziness, immaturity, carelessness, is a deed and sign of heart problems. 1 John 2 and 15 tells us, do not love the world. 
we realize we're in this world. Amen. We live here. My address is 970 River Road, Cropwell, Alabama. Brother Andy, why'd you give that address? You want somebody to know where you live? That's a church address, so I mean, you know, it's all right. I live in this world, but I do not have to love the things of this world. Do not misunderstand me. I love a well-cooked steak. I love mashed potatoes, mashed potatoes. I love A1 steak sauce. I love my, I love those things. But I do not love those things more than I love God. Amen. I told somebody here a while back, I love bacon. But if I felt like that me eating bacon was going to cause somebody to miss heaven, I'd throw it away in a heartbeat. Why? Because I love God more. We've got to get that in our mindset. Do not love the things of this world. Now going back into this Sunday school lesson, pornography. Pornography has become accepted by the world as a victimless, harmless, private endeavor that doesn't hurt anything or anybody. According to a poll in 2019, the percentage of Americans only who watch pornography and view it, let me rephrase that, who view pornography as morally acceptable, not that watch, but that view of pornography as morally acceptable, went from 36 to 43%. I know some married couples that, and y'all already know this, my wife knows all my passwords, I ain't got nothing to hide, okay, she won't look at anything on my phone, my computer, anything I got, she, she's got the passwords, I know some married couples that they, they have a, they have joint social media accounts, uh-oh, that ain't happening with me, my wife don't want to, don't want to be friends with half the people I'm friends with, <laughs> I got over 3,000 friends on my Facebook page. My wife said, uh-uh, I got my own. I have learned, not all times, don't, don't, don't read this into that, but I have talked to many. I've talked to many of wives and many married couple, and they'll, they'll say, the reason my husband's not allowed to have a Facebook page of his own is because of the things he's watched on there. And that's why we got joint accounts. I'm going to tell you something. Marriage is built on trust. Amen. And I'm going to tell you, guys, had be- girls alike, don't, don't, I ain't blaming this on one. you got to make sure that trust with that spouse is maintained. Hello? 1 John 2, 16 tells us John's concern and highlights three areas of the world's value system. That the world finds morally acceptable, but God might not. First, John identifies the flesh, the lust of the flesh. Many in the world will say, 
if you want it, go get it. That is not a God thing. Amen? Now, if I want a chocolate chip cookie, I'm going to go get that. Yesterday, my wife bought a big old pack of chocolate chip cookies at Publix because we was going, we went, like I told you, we went to my mom's house. And she set it on the kitchen table, and she looked around, and it was gone. I don't know how in the world it got on that little, that little uh, TV tray thing, table setting up between me and my dad. Somehow or another, it migrated from the kitchen table to that little table. It might have been in my hands. I don't remember. Me and Daddy wanted them chocolate chip cookies, so you know what I did? I went and got them. That's not what this, this lust of the flesh, that's not what that's talking about. Okay? This is referring to lust. Lust is an improper desire that ignites a craving to possess something that is forbidden. John clarifies the flesh as pointing to a human fallacy or failure which is driven by passion, carnality, and a sinful nature. These cravings seek gratification at any cost unless subjected to the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit of God. This is why it is so important to have the Spirit of God living in our lives. Because I'm going to tell you something. This world wants you to have anything that it has to offer. But you, got, you can take everything the world has to offer but give me Jesus. We've got to make sure our heart lines up with God. Amen? Now, also in 1 John chapter 2 and 16, the lust of the eyes. This points to the desire to possess what the eyes focus on and find attractive, whether sexual or material. I was somewhere, it was not a church gathering, and this is a bunch of new people. I didn't know anybody in this gathering, and they didn't know me. First time I'd ever been there. I go over to the, where did I go first? There was a food table set up. Where did I go first? Everybody knows that. So I'm over there getting me a glass of sweet tea. I'm getting me a little a little uh, uh, plate. They didn't have Pentecostal plates. They had them little be small things. Somebody's told me that them Church of God Pentecostal plates are the big plates. I like that. They had them little bitty, little bitty, little bitty plates. You can't put nothing on them things. All you putting on is something to make you mad. So I'm over there and I'm putting a few items on there. I don't want to look like a pig just yet because I don't know any of these folk. They don't know me. And so I'm starting to put things on my plate. I got me a glass of sweet tea, and I turn around, and there's a gentleman walking my way. As he gets close, he introduces himself, and we start to talk. We, we, we talk for about five, ten minutes. And a few minutes goes by, 
and he makes a uh, vulgar noise, and he says, mm, she, she sure is attractive. I said, excuse me? He said, look, she's attractive. I said, no, thank you. I have a wife. And he said, it's okay to look. I said, no, it's not. I then turned around and found my cookies again. He interrupted me getting cookies on my plate. I was looking at the cookies. He was looking someone at someone else. By the way, he still had a wedding band on. Here's the thing that we've got to realize. The lust of the eyes, the desires of the eyes, whether sexual or material, physical, spiritual, we go where our eyes look. When I was going back for those cookies, I wasn't looking over here. What was I looking at? The cookies. We go where our eyes are looking, right? The Bible tells us to keep our eyes on the prize of the high calling of God. That's what we're supposed to keep our eyes on. It's not the lust of the eyes of this world. We have got to look towards what God has for us. Yes, the title of this Sunday school lesson, Pornography is Destructive. To that end, the largest, I don't know what the name of this site is. Obviously, I did not look this up. This is in the Sunday school lesson, so I did not look this up. The largest pornography site has 130 million visitors each and every day. The lust of the eyes. The third thing that we find out of this verse is the pride of life. The pride of life speaks to the mindset or the attitude in which one possesses. Pride is arrogancy based on faults or faulty thinking. Pride is I will never have a failure. Pride is I'm the smartest person in the room. Let me tell you something, church. That's a wrong mentality to have. When I meet with my pastor's council here at this church or I meet at pastor's councils anywhere else, I want them to be the smartest persons in the room. Why? Because I already have my plate full of a lot of things that I have to deal with. I need these, these that are on my pastor's council, I need them to help me make decisions for everything else because I've already got my focus on other things. They need to help me focus on everything else. Are y'all following that? Pride is making sure that we bring just those around us that knows less than us because we're the smartest in the room. I try to make sure I'm not the smartest in the room. The pride of life is a mindset or attitude that's based off of false or faulty thinking. Such an attitude promotes haughtiness, 
and conceited pride, such as James chapter 4, verse 16. It is a self-absorbed, narcissistic fixation on oneself, focused on the here and now, which is quite the opposite of what Jesus Christ showed for our lives. Going to the next topic on our in our Sunday school lesson really quickly. Let me, let me move on ahead because I want to get to one other part real quick. Guard your hearts, your, your eyes and your heart. Guard your eyes and your heart. Take a look. I mean, take go ahead and take a look at uh Job chapter thir- uh Job chapter three thirty one verses one through six. Job chapter thirty one verses one through six. While you're turning there and getting ready, the part of the Sunday school lesson, yes, I did skip part of it. Part of the Sunday school lesson was talking about David and how that David murdered somebody so that he could have that person's wife. Well, we already realized that when we help God do things, guess what? It messes up. Amen? Job chapter 31, verse 1 through 8. Take a look at what it says. Starting in verse 1. I have made a covenant with my eyes. How then could I gaze at a virgin? What would my portion from God above and my heritage from the Almighty on high. Is not calamity for the unrighteous and disaster for the workers of iniquity? Does not he, God, see my ways and number all my steps? I ha- if I have walked with falsehood and my foot has hastened to deceit, let me be weighed in a just balance and let God know my integrity. Let God know my integrity. Church, we've got to realize something. Our integrity has got to go before us. Our integrity has to be intact. The world we live in wants to attack everything about a Christian. Everything that a Christian says, everything a Christian does. This is the last thought I've got because Sunday school's fixing to end. Our integrity has to go before us. Who we are as an individual has to go before us. People have to know what kind of person we are. The integrity that we have. The light that we shine to the world around us. People can bring all sorts of false allegations and thought processes against us. But if our integrity stands firm, then we won't have to fight the battles against us. Those around us will fight those for us. In churches we've been in, people have brought all sorts of allegations and things like that against any pastor or anybody I mean, it's just a it's just a part of life, and we've been here, and people have said things and and brought things against us, and this has been the best part. I've never had to defend myself against those things. Why? Because my integrity stands ahead of me, 
and people will fight that battle for me. Church, we got enough going on in the world. We need our integrity at hold of God so that God can take care of the battles that lies ahead of us. Amen? Live feed, thank you so much for joining with us for our Sunday school class. Join us in about 15 minutes for our Sunday morning worship. May the good Lord bless you as our prayer. If you've need a prayer request, if you got a prayer request, text the keyword prayer to 205-642-8744 because we want to partner with you in prayer. May God bless you as our prayer. Amen and amen. Thank you.